worship as we sing that last verse. All to Jesus I surrender now. I feel the sacred flame. Oh, the joy of full salvation. Glory, glory. at each other across the room. There are a few here that don't have temperatures or coughs, and we were glad to see you. And for all of you streaming at home, we just pray that God will give you a special blessing. I've tried to choose some songs that have some more lyrics, and maybe you're there with uh, fewer distractions. Maybe there's more distractions. I don't know. And uh, But you can really go to the Lord and um, dig it deep into the lyrics and worship Him where you are. Uh, as in the way of a quick announcement, most of you know by now, the ones who got the email and the ones who showed up and nothing was going on, that there was no fall festival yesterday at HBT. And um, if you're not on the email distribution list, especially in times like this, you really need to get on it and um, stay plugged in with what's happening at HBT. So we tentatively, a big Lord willing, are rescheduling rescheduling for November the 4th next Saturday for the for the church fall festival everything that was planned just get shifted one week seven days so please be praying about that and uh, checking for updates and Lord willing we'll all be able to gather together um, meeting in a limited way here will hopefully give everyone a chance to heal up, maybe not spread it even further, and then we can really celebrate together next Saturday at the Church Fall Festival. So be in prayer for that. There are too numerous um, sick uh, believers to even mention, so we're just going to ask for general prayer. Um, uh, but a special prayer for Brother uh, Keith Buchanan. We were hoping he might be here this morning, but he, I know he's in a lot of pain and discomfort. He's been diagnosed with stage 3 cirrhosis, non-alcoholic cirrhosis of the liver, and just needs your prayer uh, in the steps that go forward um, from just feeling better to getting a transplant to all the things that need to take place. Please be in prayer for our dear brother Keith. And we love you, brother, and are praying for you now. Let's sing, um, if you would, you can stay seated for a few minutes. Is that the key of C? 10,000 reasons. I love this song. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, oh my soul. We worship His holy name. 
worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the His holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I'll worship your holy name For your rich in love And your slow to anger your name is great and your heart is kind for all your goodness I will keep on singing ten thousand reasons for my heart to
Amen. That's beautiful. If the uh, deacons are ready, we will take, take up an offering this morning. And those of you streaming, there's, there is a link on the website for that as we um, just worship him with our tithes and offering. And uh, one of the reasons, you know, throughout the, the ages that believers have lifted their hands, when the, um, when the Hebrews met at the, ta- at the temple to present their offerings to the Lord, they would take them in their hands and lift those up and give a, a wave offering of the first fruits of their harvest. And, um, and so when we do that, when we offer up ourselves, our tradition is still to lift up our hands in praise and, and in sacrifice to him. Let's, um, Brother Pritchard, if you'd pray for us. Amen. I have journeyed through the long dark night out on the open sea by faith. his eyes were watching me and the anchor holds though the ship is battered the think about the brothers and sisters this morning sick on IVs um, I pray that we'll just reach out in prayer to them and you here this morning just let that anchor that we're talking about right here just take hold deep in your heart and your life and trust Jesus for everything for your healing for your financial situations for your family we need that anchor we need a tie post amen let's stand and just sing that chorus one more time the anchor holds Though the ship is battered Amen It holds, he promised The anchor holds Though the sails are torn
standing for a second. We're going to sing that little chorus, um, uh, Amazing Love, as Sister Anna comes and gets ready to, uh, to do a special for us this morning. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned, and I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me, because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be? My king would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. I I choose 
This road will not be easy And I know I'll have my weaker days And Satan, he tells me I don't mean it When I say I'll trust God all the way Let's uh, stand and, and as we change the order of the service and get ready for the preaching of the word, uh, let's put it in C and sing Break Every Chain as Brother Barry comes in. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising There's an army rising up to break every chain, 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 and there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. 
break every chain, 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 break every chain. Let's sing it. Well, there's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. Yes, there's an army rising up to break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain. There's a bride, and there's a bride who's rising up. Yes, there's a bride that's rising up. We're a bride that's rising up to break every chain. Break every chain, break every chain, for there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. He'll break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Amen, brother. Ray. Praise the Lord. God bless you this morning. Certainly good to be in God's house. And uh, we have the minimum requirements, so we're good. Let's sing that little chorus, Have Your Way, before we look to, to the Lord in prayer this morning. Sing it together. Have your way. Have your way. Father, we bow in your presence this morning, Lord, thanking you for this opportunity we have to come together. And Lord, we meet the requirement of having two or three that are gathered in your name. 
And so, Lord, we reserve this time and this place for you and invite your presence to come, Lord, in a real way in this building. Father, anoint your word and encourage our hearts, Lord, and help us to realize the place that we have come to. And Father, we just uh, commit our doings today into your hands, Lord. There are many that are not here, obviously, Lord, and you know where every one of them are. You have never not known where we are, and Lord, you've never not known what we're going through. And so, Father, we place each one into your care this morning, praying in the name of Jesus Christ that you would draw near to those that are suffering, those that are sick, those that really need your touch this morning. Father, we pray that your healing virtue would flow to each one of them because we believe you to be a healer today the same as you ever were. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, we curse this affliction that has come against the people of God. And we pray, dear Lord, that you will help us now and make us stronger, Lord. And uh, I just pray that you would just be present in every home today, those that are streaming. We commit the day into your hands now. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And amen. Sing it one more time, if you don't mind. Have your way. Have your way. Holy Spirit, feel our hearts and have your as we the Lord. While you're standing this morning, if you don't mind, let's take our Bibles and let's look in the scripture. So we'll only have you stand this one time here, Revelation chapter 14. Revelation the 14th chapter. And I'd just like to begin there with this reading. Thank you, musicians. Appreciate you being here and taking your part this morning. Now, this is a really weighty chapter uh, in the book of Revelation here, but I really want to just grab a uh, a phrase out of here, and we'll begin at verse 14. So we're at Revelation 14, 14. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. A sickle is a tool used for harvest, right? And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And may the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated. Well, we welcome all of you today, and uh, we have a, a, a skeleton crew in the congregation. We have a skeleton crew in our musicians and our tech people, but we're glad that you're all here uh, today. This is, uh, as we were going through the week and I was hearing different reports of so many that were uh, sick and and so forth, 
Um, I just uh, felt uh, compelled in my studies to keep going, but I felt oddly strange about this, this day Sunday. We had to cancel our full fellowship, Lord willing, and that's a capital L and a capital W. We'll uh, postpone our fall fellowship until next Saturday, Lord willing. And I thought if we acted quickly and proactively, we could probably nip this thing in the bud and uh, have um, uh, just a minimum participation today. So we appreciate you being here uh, today. And it kind of eerily reminded me of what it was like in the COVID days when we did a similar thing and had broadcast services. But you know what? We made it through that. And came out good on the other side. So we know the routine, and uh, we're, we're not going to do face-to-face hugs here or anything else uh, today. But um, uh, we appreciate you coming, and, and I, I want you just to remind you and all of uh, those that are listening to remember the folks uh, that are not well, not only here but across the country uh, from, uh, from the youth camp. And, of course, there's th- there are seasonal things that happen anyway. It's not just, you know, entirely one incident. But when you get a 400 kids all in close, closed quarters, uh, things are going to happen. And so we pray for the folks that are not feeling well. And uh, it's always a difficult thing for me, but we obviously want to do whatever we have to do. And we have to make decisions related to everybody's care, and uh, I make those decisions very prayerfully, very carefully, and uh, in consultation with the deacons and so forth, and uh, uh, talking with some of our medical people and just trying to do the very best thing that we we, we can, because we have to do what we have to do. And uh, so it's not always uh, the best or the easiest way, but uh, it is. Brother Smith reminded me this morning, he wrote a note, and he was giving me a little update on he and Sister Smith and uh, talking about their condition. He said, he said, it's just amazing how, you know, when, you, when you're on the mark, he said, in, in church and preaching the word and so forth, you run into headwinds. And I said, we sure do. We run into headwinds, and I said this is a great example uh, of the headwinds. But I want to say again, we are uh, honored to have you here today, and uh, I just my, my preparations for service were no different than any other day, so this is not going to be a watered-down uh, version of anything. Uh, as a matter of fact, it'll probably be the opposite, so I just kind of feel like uh, jumping in here. Uh, but before I do, I wanted to make one uh, announcement here, and that is this. Today is Brother Fulcher's 97th birthday, and uh, he got a new vest. He got a Columbia vest, uh, and uh, I'm envious of his Columbia vest, but Sister Becky was over this morning and, and uh, made a cake and brought some things over as a gift to him, and uh, 97 years is a long time. He's been preaching longer than I've been alive. And uh, he established uh, the church, started pastoring in, in, the, in the 1950s and uh, opened the doors of his tabernacle in 1962 and uh, has been, uh, was pastoring there until just a few short years ago. And uh, so we pray that the Lord will bless him and, and give him uh, health and strength and joy in, the, in his uh, August years. And, and he qualifies for August years, that's for sure. I appreciate him and uh, his wife, Sister, Be- Sister Fulcher, and uh, who they brought into the world, and uh, they're very special folks to me. They've been like parents to me over the years, and so we appreciate him very, appreciate him very much. And uh, I don't think he's listening this morning because they were doing 
a little gathering uh, today at their church, and so uh, they wheeled him up to church uh, today. So uh, he's not listening live, at least uh, this morning. But we wish him God's very best. Now, uh, <clears throat> I, I wanted to um, just take a, 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 some time here this morning and introduce this subject to you here uh, this morning, if you don't mind. And I'm going to uh, just going to set this here. And I want to uh, talk a little bit about what is very obvious to all of us, and that is that we are at uh, the harvest season. And uh, <clears throat> as, we, as we go through uh, this subject here, uh, we're going to cover a, a, f- a fair bit of ground here. We're going we're to look at lots of different places in Scripture because this whole uh, idea, the whole concept of the end of the church ages for the Gentiles uh, is one part of a great big scenario or great big picture that is described in the Bible from the Old Testament all the way to the New. And that's been the hope of the, of, of the church is the second coming of Christ. And it's a very important and a very powerful thing. And there's lots and lots of the Bible devoted to this uh, particular season of time that we've come to. And we're here. And God chose you to live uh, and and experience it, not just to read about it in the future, but God has chosen us to experience it. Do you believe that? And God has given us the the opportunity uh, to be able to witness and experience and walk in in these events as they unfold. And I will guarantee you, you're living in in the Word of God being fulfilled every day now as as we live. Every day uh, we see evidence of God's Word being fulfilled. And God's chosen you to not only see it, but to believe it and to experience it. And by uh, experiencing all of that, to build faith so that we can eventually walk off the face of the earth. And that's going to be the climax for the Gentile people is for the bride to walk off the face of the earth without death and to leave here in a, in a blaze of glory. And so we are, we are excited about that. We're looking, at, we're looking forward to that. And uh, it, it is a very important time for us for sure. Now, remembering how we used to do this when we had uh, isolated services back when, I'm going to be brief. I'm not going to be long because I know it's difficult to stream at home uh, for a long time. So let me just jump right in and give you a little statement out of the Church Age book. And Brother Branham said, so we come to the last age. He said it's the Laodicean age. And that's our age. And we know it is the last age for the Jews are back in Palestine. And no matter how they got there, they're there. And you know what? They're not going anywhere. They're there. And supernaturally and all the different political and uh, strategic events that happened in order to get them there. Brother Bram describes it as national force. He said it drove them back into Israel. And he said they got there, they are there, and this is the harvest time. But before there can be a harvest, there has to be a ripening and a maturing of both the vines. He's referring to the Gentiles here. And he said the Lutheran age was the springtime, Wesleyan age was the summer of growth, Laodicean age is the harvest time of gathering the tares for binding and burning uh, and garnering the wheat for the Lord. So there's a gathering in and there is a gathering out that takes place now. Do you believe that? So there's an in-gathering, and, and that's the, uh, the bride of Christ that's being in-gathered in order to be taken into the, uh, into the barn, into the uh, harvest, the, the husbandman's uh, barn. 
and that's the bride going home to glory. But there's also an outgathering, which is uh, the people that are being bundled together for uh, tribulation and for uh, the, the destruction that's coming on this earth and a renovation that's coming on this earth. So there is an ingathering and an outgathering, and that's a difficult thing because they've grown together for 2,000 years in the same field, under the care of the same husbandman, but now there's a separation occurs. And when this originally was noticed, according to the parable in John chapter 13, and they asked, uh, Jesus gives the parable, and uh, you know, the workers came to the husbandman and said, hey, hey, there's two kinds of things growing in here. Do we, do we weed this out and separate it? And he said, no. He said, let it grow until the harvest. And in the harvest, we'll separate it. There'll be a word that will come, and I'm, I'm, I'm filling in the gaps here. But there'll be a word that will come, and there will be messengers that will come, and there will be workers, laborers in the field that come that bring a word that'll separate uh, the wheat from the tares. And so there'll be an outgathering, and that'll be obvious, and there'll be an ingathering, and that'll be obvious. And you're going to be in one or the other of those gatherings. And so we find in the book of Revelation, as we read it, that's what... Uh, the, the, that's what's spoken there by the angel. And he says, trust in thy sickle. Now we've come to the time. So we're living in uh, the harvest season. We're living in the uh, fulfillment season. But there comes a moment where he says, all right, trust in your sickle. Let's go. We're actually going to do this. So it can look like harvest for a while. But there comes a moment in time where the harvest is thrust in. And so this, this moment is what we wait for because there, there are certain things that are about to happen in Israel. I think it's obvious, and I think we, uh, we can see some of the things that are taking place. And again, let me, let me reiterate, and I'll, hopefully I'll come to this this morning here. The goal in this struggle that's ongoing today and escalating as we sit here in church, the goal is not Gaza. It's a pile of dirt. The goal is Jerusalem. It's always been Jerusalem, and it always will be. And so, uh, there, let me tell you, every Palestinian in the world looks at Jerusalem as their property. So in, in a real sense, they feel like they're fighting for their homeland. And the Jews feel the same way. When you have two people fighting over the same property, calling it their own, Guess what you're going to have? A struggle. You're going to have war. You're going to have a difference. So in this season now we come to, strife is an inevitable part of it. War is an inevitable part of it because that's how boundaries are settled. And that's how, uh, you know, possession is actually, uh, is actually taken in, in, in issues like this. It's taken usually in the, in the face of struggle. So Brother Branham says in Desperation 1963, and this is the evening of the token service. Okay, in the morning he preaches on the token, in the evening, uh, and this is the first time he preaches it, which is September 1st, 1963, and uh, he's, he's overwhelmed by this revelation himself. You can tell. And he preaches it two other times uh, in Texas and so forth, and uh, he, he describes the token uh, in exactly the same way in all of those sermons. But after the morning service where he preached the token, that night, he does a little summary in desperation. And it's a great summary. And let me say this. Now watch what's coming after these seven seals. This is the thing that is just open. It's breaking open for Brother Branham here. And he's seeing this in 1963. No one else is really enjoying the, 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 the depth of revelation that he's enjoying here. Uh, because he's one is born out of due season. And he's got a, uh, a revelation that's unfolding. And I mean, we could say it this way. He's on a roll. 
right? You following me? I mean, he's just, he's just seeing one thing after the other. And, uh, you know, when you, when you follow the progression of sermons here, it's really uh, quite outstanding. By the way, uh, I have started in my uh, study here of the seven seals, and we're looking at the new seals book. Uh, I think we ran out of uh, copies of the book. I'm going to get you some more, but we're going to be uh, studying that uh, coming up pretty soon. This is going to be part of this harvest series here, and so we're going to be looking at the seven seals. If you have not read it uh, in a little while, take it out, start it in, because I'm going to start at the breach, and then we're going to go, uh, we're going to go through it, Lord willing. So in this, in this evening service now, he says, now watch what's come after the seven seals, the uniting of the people, the united signs, red light flashing uh, in the last days, signs of women getting prettier, and men, what they would do. He's looking at all of these things. It's like a trigger has been uh, s- uh, loosed. There's something that's been triggered in the earth, and he's starting to see all of this stuff happening. It's only in infant seed form back in 1963. But now, take that same statement now and move it into our day. And let's read it again. He says, now you see what's happening, and the uniting of the people. And he said, signs, uh, he says, uh, the, the flashing red light uh, of the signs of the last day. Now, if you read flashing, uh, flashing red lights, Brother Bram talks about the moral problem right, in our world, in a world falling apart. And so now the moral problem is way worse than it was in 1963. Would you agree? A lot of it started there, but it's way worse because it had to get like Sodom and Gomorrah and the days of Noah, right? So this is these, the, the opening of the seven seals, the opening of the word is a triggering event, not only for rapturing faith for the bride, but it's a triggering event for the events that take place in, in uh, our world, in Sodom and Gomorrah. Are you still with me? The sign of women getting prettier. Well, that's only gotten magnified. And men, what they would do. That's only gotten magnified. And all of these signs of the Holy Spirit leading up come right back here to the capping off of all these messages since the seals. It's capped off in this one thing. That's a token that we are all right. Just check yourselves and see if you're in the faith. There's never been a better day. Let me say it uh, very simply. There's never been a better day for you to look in the mirror of God's word and say, I feel like if I died today, I'd be okay and ready to go into the presence of God. And if you're not sure of that, uh, of that statement, you need to make a decision. And I believe there's still mercy available for anyone who would want to surrender their life to Christ today. And I'm thankful for that. But let me tell you, nobody's going to pick you up by the scruff of the neck and and, uh, push you into the uh, baptismal tank. Nobody's going to force you to do that. It's got to be something that comes from within, that I want to serve Christ. I want to be a Christian, and I want to be forgiven of my sins because we're moving into a time where, in the same way that Israel is moving into the Gaza compound, And there's no mercy because they've given warning before judgment, right? They've given plenty of warning before judgment. And there's still warning as they're moving in. They're still dropping leaflets and telling people to get out of certain areas and so forth because judgment's coming. It's on a roll. It's happening. You know what? Wake up, everybody. Get to the right place. Don't be in the wrong place. There's warning before judgment. And in the same way... There is warning before judgment for the Gentile people. And you know what? There's going to come a time where that judgment's going to strike and there'll be no more warnings. And that's, hey, that's where we're coming to. Now, some of you folks here took that last couple of minutes here quite casually. But I know there are some there that are looking at this a little differently. And I want to drop this in in the beginning here. And I just felt led in my uh, spirit to do this. If you don't mind, take your Bible over to Deuteronomy chapter 31. 
Deuteronomy chapter 31. And I want to read just a little scripture here because the preaching of the gospel is not meant to scare anybody. It wakes us up and it causes us to think soberly. But my intention is never, ever, my intention has never been ever to scare anyone. Because I don't believe we should be moved by scare and fear. Sons of God should be led by the Spirit of God. So when we preach the word, there's a spirit that goes with that, that convicts the heart and deals with us uh, on a a deep level that moves us to the right place of repentance and so forth. That's the way it should be. Godly sorrow uh, is executed in a person's heart when the preaching of the word is heard. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, and we'd like to read just at verse 6 here, this is, what, this is what Moses was telling the people as they were going into the land. Now, this is the end of the book of Deuteronomy. So we're at the end of the instructions here. The next thing now is that Moses passes away, and uh, you know they eventually cross over under Joshua, and Joshua takes his place. But you'll find this very repetitively given in the book of Deuteronomy. And let's read verse uh, 6, if you don't mind. Be strong and be of good courage, and fear not, nor be afraid of them, the inhabitants of the land. Fear not is one of the most common phrases used in the Bible. Because whenever God moves, it can be a very fearful thing. When people come into the presence of God, it can be a very fearful thing. When an angel visits somebody, like when the angel came to John at the altar, or sorry, Zechariah at the altar, you remember? He said, fear not, I'm come from the presence of God to tell you. And when Mary received the angel the same way, fear not, I'm come from the presence of God. Fear not always preceded anything that God did directly. And so here they are now, ending an age of uh, uh, 40 years wandering in the wilderness or moving into the promised land. Everything is new. Everything is changing. And no one's able to do anything about it. And God's words are the same then as they are now. Be strong and be of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that goeth, that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. I think everybody ought to take note of that verse. And I think it's worth reading again. He tells them, be strong and be of good courage. Fear not nor be afraid of them. Whatever it is that lays ahead of you, don't be afraid of that. Because the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. You're not going to get into the thick of battle and look around and he's not there. He'll always be with you. He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. And on down through the chapter, you'll find that. You'll, we'll find this phrase or this thought in many, many different places here. If you don't mind, can I take a couple of minutes on fear not? All right. I've talked about it many times, but I'd like to just drop it in again. Because I know there are some people that, uh, you know, in a sense, they, they, they become fearful about a future that they uh, really can't imagine. We can't imagine what it's like uh, to go down the narrow path uh, towards the changing of our body and have it all figured out in our mind. I'll guarantee you that no matter how you try to imagine it, it'll be different than what you imagine. I, I, I'm convinced of that. There's no way that we could figure this out. But here's Brother Branham, and he's talking about Jairus, uh, who was a, a member of the Pharisees, and his daughter was dying. And he said the custom in the old days was to have ashes on your head when you were sorrowful. And they would rip their garments, and they would pile ashes on top of their head, and it was a symbol that they were in mourning, or they were sorrowful, or something bad was wrong. 
And he comes running real fast and he said, Jairus, he said, trouble not the master. Your daughter's already dead. It's one of the servants in his house. Trouble him not. And the poor fellow said, I can just imagine his little heart skipped a beat. Now this is a man whose daughter just died. That's hard to imagine in itself. His daughter just died. She's dead. And I can see Jesus' eyes turn and look at him and say, fear not, just only believe. That's all. Man, I, I never had a daughter, but I, I can imagine that for anybody who would have one or a child, you know, to have that said to them, don't, it's too late, it's over, they're gone. And all the feelings that are associated with that, and Jesus just turns and looks at him and says, fear not, Jairus, just only believe, that's all. And when he heard this word, That word, his little heart began to beat right again, and his lips turned back and ran again, shaking, looking long. Jesus said, looking at him, you know, and he said, just believe. That's all I ask you to do is only believe. And I'd say to you this morning that if you're troubled about, uh, you know, the presence of God in this last day and the events that we're going to talk about in this harvest uh, season, if you're troubled about any of that, just look to him and believe this, that all he wants you to do is to believe Trust him, be strong, be courageous. He's with us and he will not forsake you. That's what I'm asking you to do. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus said, Seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be of doubtful mind, for all these things do the nations uh, of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth ye have need of these things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God. Seek ye the kingdom of God, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. How many can say amen? It is God's will to preserve you. It's God's will to get you where you need to be. It's God's will to get us into the kingdom. It's God's plan to have a marriage supper. It's God's plan to have a seat with your name on it. It's God's will to have a house for you in the millennium. It's God's will for you to have a body waiting for you. No matter which way you go, God's got a body waiting for us over there. How many can say amen? That's a glorious thing. So the the idea that's overwhelming in scripture is fear not. I've got your back. It's under control. I'm with you. I'm not going to forsake you no matter how difficult it gets no matter how narrow it gets just stay with me here that's what he's saying to the people over and over again let me say and i'm being repetitive now brother Branham said in a conference sermon he knew i'd be standing here before there was a world he's infinite certainly he knows you and what are you scared about he put your name on the lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world what are you worried about you got the holy ghost sealed in the kingdom of god how long until the day of your redemption the day of your redemption is when your body is changed the church is scared don't be scared say it with me don't be scared fear not only believe that's what god wants all right if that's what god wants that's what we should want That's what we should do if that's what God wants, to fear not and not to worry. That's exactly what God wants. Now, let me say also as well that, uh, you know, in uh, in the times that we live in, God sets times and time limits and God sets seasons, right? God has seasons for everything. God has time limits for everything. And when God sets those times and seasons... You're not going to do anything to alter that. 
So when God said in the days of Noah, it's going to be a flood, it's going to be 120 years, uh, there was no altering of that. No matter, no matter what took place, there was no altering of that. It's going to happen exactly the way uh, that God proclaimed it to be. And so, therefore, there are, uh, there are things that God has already determined as limits uh, to his patience, limits to his mercy. And I'm here to tell you today, there's also limits to evil. Now, in the, in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 15, uh, we've read this before, just recently, and also the nation whom thou serve. This is God speaking to Abram, and he's prophesying about what's going to happen. You're going to go down to Egypt for 400 years and all the other things that are going to happen. He's establishing a covenant relationship with Abraham. And he says, and also this nation that you shall serve will I judge, and afterwards they shall come out with a great substance. The basis for God's judgment of nations is always and has always been the same. That is their treatment of Israel. I will bless them that bless you. I'll curse them that curse you. The judgment of nations and peoples has always been on the basis of how they treat God's people. Always. You'll find that consistent through scripture. So he's telling Abram now in advance here. He says, thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come forth again, hither again. So he gives them a general time frame. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now you remember I described it this way. If that's the cup of of iniquity of the Amorites, and we don't don't really know much about that uh, until this morning, uh, there's a... There's a way that God looks at this cup that you and I don't see. Right? So we know know that God has a measuring line somehow. That God has a limit to everything. But we're not privy to when the cup is full. We really can't see how much is enough for God. We really don't know. So God has a a measuring stick and measurement, as I told you before, is a very important thing. Uh, And God's got it already determined. And it's one of those things that he chooses not to tell us. But when that cup of iniquity of the Amorites is full, then you know what? Moses, the children of Israel are going to come out. You're not going to see this cup. I will. But when it's full, then this is all going to happen. But it'll be in the fourth generation. I'll give you that much. So we find out the same thing applies in the end time. That there are limits to evil in this world. Just like there are limits to time. And limits to seasons. But there are limits to evil. And so God says, I'm going to let it go until the cup is full in the last day. You can't see this. I'm going to see it. You're going to have time indicators that that will let you know you're in the season. But when you come to that time, I'll know exactly when this is going to take place. Is everybody following me? Okay, so if I'm God, I can see it. And guess what? You can't. You just got to believe that there's going to come a time when God is going to shut it down. And you know what? Then it's over. Your job is just to be ready in case that time comes. And whenever that time comes, because it is going to come. So you had to be ready for that hour. Okay, so that's the idea. Now, the promised land, it had inhabitants. When they went in there, when the children of Israel crossed over and God was telling Joshua, uh, there are inhabitants in the land there and they have customs and they have habits. And these customs and habits, listen now, are not things that the church 
of Israel should tolerate. There are customs and uh, ways of worship, uh, child sacrifice. There was all kinds of things that were in the land there. And there were not things at all that God wanted the church to be affected by or to be copying. He did not want them to be uh, adopting the ways of the, the people who were in that land. And so therefore they were not to be tolerated. That's why God, even in his mercy, like in 2 Peter chapter 3, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? But you know what? You're not going to do this staying in your habits that you have or the habits of the world. You've got to come to God's habits. You've got to come God's way. Isn't that right? So we know this. Stay with me here. We know this, that the land to Israel is the same as the word to us. Everybody, everybody understand that? So when, when Israel went in and possessed the land, they, they, they knew it was theirs. In the same way that God has revealed and opened his word to you as an individual believer, that word, those promises are yours. You don't have to have permission to claim the promise. You don't need to apply somewhere and wait to apply the promise. Hey, the promises are yours. And it's our right as somebody who has been given the word to believe and stand on these promises. Isn't that right? Absolutely. So therefore, the land was to Israel what the word is to us. And prior to possessing the land, they had to believe that that land was theirs. They had to believe that this is something that's been given to us through our father Abraham. And so when they, whenever they were dispersed from the land or, or whenever they were driven out and they came back, they, they knew they were possessing their land. In the same way that we believe that we are, we are possessors of the promises of God and they, no matter what the devil tries to do to you and try to cause havoc or try to, uh, you know, beat you down with sickness or troubles or worry or anxiety or whatever else. Hey, listen, we can come back and claim our land. We can come back and claim our promise because it is ours. And I will tell you something. It is a whole lot of difference. Well, look, let me say it this way. I, my, my, just my, my tongue can't keep up with where my heart is. When Israel came out of Egypt, they were slaves. And the presence of God among them turned them into overcomers. And there's a whole lot of difference in preaching to slaves versus overcomers. Because if you're preaching to a slave, a slave is not used to making decisions. A slave is not used to taking, uh, taking his stand. A slave is not one who uh, puts himself in the forefront and said, that's mine. Because a slave believes that everything that he has has to be given to him by somebody. Isn't that right? So they kind of wait until they're told. They wait until they're instructed. They wait because they're always fearing punishment. The presence of God in the wilderness was designed to bring them from the mindset of a slave to an overcomer. They had to go from where they were in, in, in Egypt to where uh, Joshua said and Caleb said when he got over in the promised land, give me my mountain. He said, that's my territory. God's promised me that territory. Isn't that right? 
In the same way, when you're preaching to people who have a slave-like mentality, you're always trying to convince them, you know what? You can be healed if you uh, trust in the name of the Lord Jesus. And you can have this and you can have something else. And you're always trying to convince those people to go ahead, take the step. Uh, it's a whole lot different preaching to a bunch of people who've got a revelation of who they are and that the word is theirs and the promises are real because they're people who are overcomers. There, something about the spirit of those believers. They know on the inside, hey, that's my word. That's my Lord that promised that. That's the gospel that God bled and died for that I might have. And it's my possession. And I'm going to stand on that. And my footprints become possession of those, those promises. Are you with me? There's a whole lot of difference in preaching the slaves versus overcomers. And in the same way, the presence of God is the thing that makes that real. So for instance, in our church now, you can't say, we can't say, nobody can say that our God doesn't do miracles. Our God does miracles. Do you believe that? Our God does miracles and we can prove them by doctor's uh, papers and everything else. We can prove that our God is a miracle working God. Hey, listen, you don't need to convince me that. I don't need to go somewhere to ask permission to believe that. I believe that God's a miracle working God. And you know what? If God did it once, God can do it again. And God can do it anytime that he so desires to do that. And that's the kind of God that we serve. So his presence changed him from slaves to overcomers. And I believe this, saints of God, that when it came to the promised land, they were filled, the promised land was filled originally with people who had rejected God, and they had lots of iniquity among them. And God set his boundaries over this, and no matter what those nations said, hey, you can vote them out, uh, you can try to ignore them, you can try to ignore Jehovah, you can try to ignore all these stories about him, but you know what? God still shows up, right? God still showed up. He showed up in Jericho. He showed up all the way down through. He showed up uh, in all the different conquests and battles that they had in the promised land. And even though the people might have rejected him and said, no, we have a God, we have Dagon, we have this, you know, we have something else. Let me tell you, God still showed up and God was still more powerful than any of the gods uh, of those heathen nations that were there. Now, <clears throat> This is a very important statement for us here because in this, in this generation here, God is actually telling Abram here, he says, now in this fourth generation, they shall come hither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So in other words, it, 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 my, my, timing, my timing is such that this would not be the time for you to enter into that land, but there come a time when I view that as something that needs to be completely wiped out and completely destroyed so that you can come in and take the land and be a possessor of it. Now, let's, let's just track this for a moment here. That this word iniquity is, is a, 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 really, uh, it's a really interesting word. And the phrase here that he uses for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now again, you're looking at the Hebrew language here. This word full, and I hope I have it here on, on the screen for you. <clears throat> In Exodus chapter 23, now just bear with me, I'm going to give you a couple of slides here. Moses tells the people, and God tells Moses to tell them, I'm going to send an angel with you wherever you go. And by little and little, I will drive thee out the inhabitants before thee until uh, thou be increased and inherit the land. 
And I'll set bounds from the Red Sea even unto the Sea of the Philistines and from the desert to the river and I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and thou shalt drive them out before thee. So this is the way I'm going to do it. This is what God says. I'm going to drive all these inhabitants out because I don't want you mixing with these inhabitants. I don't want you blending with their customs. I don't want you adopting their ways. I'm going to drive them out. I don't want you to coexist with that. Okay? Now that's what he's telling them. But here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to deliver them into thy hand, and you're going to drive them out. So I'm going to so overwhelm this situation that they're going to be powerless against you. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put the, pow- I'm going to put the sword in your hand, and you're going to be the ones that drive them out. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. In the same way, saints of God, as you know, God does not go before us and, and reach into your phone and take out all the bad music. And he doesn't reach into your internet at home and take out all the bad websites. He doesn't do that. God does not purge your internet history. You know what he does? He gives you the word as an overcomer. Now you need to go home and apply the token. Nobody should, look, if, if, I, if, if, if all of a sudden I came down and purged your phone of everything that's bad, that would be me doing it. And you could leave here, and by the time you got to the Robinson Road, you could be reloading things back into your phone again. Because you know what? First of all, it's got to come out of your heart before it comes out of your phone. It's got to come out of your heart before it comes out of the computer. It's got to come out of your heart before it comes off your bookshelf, right? But when you get it out of your heart, let me tell you, somebody who's got it out of their heart, they'll want to get it out of anywhere in their life because they don't want to have reminders or triggers that bring them back to that. In the same way God's telling the children of Israel, I'm going to make, make known to you that this is something that weakens you. This is something that's going to mess you up. The, the, the habits and the customs of these people are going to cripple you. But I'm going to deliver them into your hand. But you're going to be the one that takes, uh, takes your device and destroys that thing and gets rid of it. And then you can say, thank you, Jesus, for giving me the strength to overcome this. Are you following me? You don't make any covenant with these or, or their gods. Thou shalt not dwell in thy land, lest, thou, uh, makes, uh, lest they make thee sin against me. They shall not dwell in thy land. Notice how he says it. You, they will not dwell in your land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. They're going to drag you into a trap that I'm going to have to judge Because that's something I do not tolerate. That's iniquity I don't tolerate. And so therefore, therefore, I'm I'm not going to have you make deals with them and you're not going to compromise with them. And you shall not dwell, they shall not dwell in thy land lest they make you sin against me. The net effect of all of that stuff in the world is designed to pull you away from the presence of God and pull you away from your service to God and pull you away from your commitment to God. Isn't that right? That's exactly what those, those inhabitants are, are, and the spirits behind it are intending to do. And that's what the spirits today in this world are intending to do, is to pull you away from the presence of God and keep you out of church and keep you involved in stuff that makes you feel good at the moment. And all the other things that are out there that the devil puts in, in place here, it's only meant to distract you and pull you away. And God says, thou shall not dwell in thy land. This is your land. This land is pure. It's my land. It's what I envisioned for Abraham. We're not here by natural right. We're here by divine right. 
Come on. Israel is not in their land by, by natural right. They're there by divine right. Abraham walked in. He showed up and said, hey, I got news for everybody. God gave me this land. I know you think it's yours, but it's really not. It's mine because God gave it to me. And so he couldn't go down to the courthouse and pull up a record that said that this eventually will belong to Abraham. There was no record of Abraham in the Hebrew courthouse. There was no record at all. But Abraham said, it's my land. It's my land. And wherever your footprints are put down, that's going to be possession for you, Abraham. So just walk on that and possess it and believe that it's yours. So God called it their land. And he says, they will not dwell in that land. I'll say the same thing. God has given us this land. The world does not belong in this. So therefore, it's only going to weaken you when you bring them in. When you bring the music of the world into church, it's only going to weaken you. When you bring the, uh, the pornography of the world into your system, let me tell you, it's, it's only going to weaken you. They don't belong. So we've got to come to a decision here, and you've got to get rid of that. Because you're going to be pulled into a trap, and it's going to be a snare onto you. Now, <clears throat> the day we're living in can be described as this day. Paul says in Romans 11, he's talking about the transition from the Jews to the Gentiles. But he says, there's going to come a day, folks. This is what he's teaching now in Romans 11. The gospel has actually turned from the Romans, from, sorry, from the Jews to the Gentiles. God has taken the promises. God's taken the Holy Spirit. God's taken everything and turned from the Jews because they've rejected Christ and turning it over to the Gentiles, right? Everybody following? But he said there's coming a day. Romans 11. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Blindness in part. Man, that's incredible. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion a deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Look at the first part of 26 again. So all Israel shall be saved. You know what day we're living in? We're living in verse 26. We're living in the day when Israel is about to be saved. You believe that? We're coming close to, we're on the brink of all Israel being saved. That's where we are. And all of this stuff that's going on in our world sets the stage for verse 26. Because you know, you know what? When we're gone, they're next. The reason they're not there yet is because of you. You're still here. You got to get out of here before verse 26 actually happens. One day, God's going to say, All right, that's it. All, it's time for Israel to be saved. Let's take the Gentile bride and put her into the palace. That's, that'll be when your body's changed. That'll be when your body's ready to, ready to go. And God knows when that is because remember now, we can't see what God sees, but there's going to come a day when it's going to happen. And we are on the brink of. And you can, if anybody asks you, what do you think of events now going on? I mean, people ask me all the time, you know, in the, in the lineup at Starbucks or whatever else. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing. I sent out that letter last night, that email to all the church. And in the email, I said to everybody, hey, if we can help you in any way or you're sick and you need assistance or you, everybody read, read the email. Yeah. I thought it was pretty nice. I thought it was nice of me to say that. 
And, you know, hey, uh, we'll, we'll come and help you out. The deacons will come and help you. If you're sick and you need somebody to pray for you, if you need water or you need, you know, food and, and whatever, immediately, immediately, I got orders for Starbucks. <laughs> immediately. Some of our young people said, yeah, I'll take a tall latte with uh, two shots of cinnamon in here. I thought, I'm never going to send out another email. Twenty-seven. This is my covenant unto them. You know what covenants are? Covenants are when God means business when He makes an agreement with somebody. A covenant is something that's not breakable. And I'm going to make a covenant when I shall take away their sins. This is the sins of Israel now. He's already done it for the Gentiles. This is for Israel. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. You know what? Some way or another, their names are on the book also. And you know what? You can't take them off. So we're, we're getting in a position where it's going to turn to verse 26 and all Israel will be saved. I mean, that sends chills up and down my spine. I don't know about you, but this is where we're living. And so therefore, let no man deceive you by any means. Watch now. For that day, that day, the day of the going home of the bride and the day of verse 26 of Romans 11, that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition who opposed it and exalted himself above all that is called God or is all of worship, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself as God. Remember now, watch this, verse 5. Remember ye not, when I was with you, I told you these things. And now ye know that what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time, for the mystery of iniquity is already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. What's holding up, the wrath of God, and what's holding up the tribulation is you. The, the bride of Christ in the earth is the defense mechanism against all of the turmoil and the winds of strife striking the earth. When the bride is lifted from the earth, God can allow judgment to come in the Gentile realm, which is all of the earth except Israel. Now remember what I said in the beginning? Fear not. You don't want to get afraid of this. It is the Bible being fulfilled. And I was telling my granddaughter yesterday, you know what? It's a fearful thing when you think about wars and the end of things and all the unexpected things that are uh, lining up to happen. You know, it is, you know, especially maybe for a young person, you know, you look at it and and you think, wow, what's going to happen? You know, it's kind of scary. But I told her this, it's going to happen anyway. You're just better off being on the right side when it does happen. Everybody's going to be affected. Everybody's going to be in it. You just got to be on the right side whenever it takes place. When the flood came in the days of Noah, didn't everybody potentially get wet? Sure. I mean, you can say, well, I don't want to believe the Bible. I don't want to hear the message. And I don't want to hear anything about this. I'm going to close myself off and put myself in a room and not listen to anything else ever again. I don't want to hear anything because it scares me too much. Not listening, not listening, not listening. No matter how loud God says, I'm not listening, I'm not listening. But God says, I'm still there. And you know what? My word's already spoken. So you really need to get with the program and figure out, okay, if it's going to happen and whatever God says will happen, Just make sure you're on the right side. That's all. Because if you're on the right side, then you can quote Deuteronomy 31, 6, like I said, where he said, fear not, be strong, be courageous. 
I will not forsake thee. You can write that down, put it on your fridge, and you can take that with you because that's something you can count on. Believe this, that the bride of Christ in the earth is the defense against tribulation, the waves of tribulation coming in, and the destruction of peoples on the earth that rejected the word. Now, let's, let's go a little bit further here. God originally gave Abraham the land of Israel. It was God's to give because the earth is the Lord's. And here, here's a man, Brother Bram says, a man with faith in the mission that he was given to take the land. The word of God was behind it. God says, I'll give you this land. Wherever the soles of your feet will trot, I'll give it to you. So Abraham was given the land, wasn't he, by God. It was God's land to give, so he gave it to Abraham. When Israel possessed it, it was God's blessing upon that people. When they were kicked out of it, it was usually a sign of God's displeasure. Are we okay? So when they possessed it, uh, it means that God favored them and brought them into the land. When they sinned, like in the days of the dispersion, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar rolled in and uh, the Babylonians rolled in and, and, and brought them out of the land and desecrated the temple, it was a sign of God's displeasure. And they were gone for 70 years. Are we okay? So that's, that's the way it happened. Favor, <clears throat> favor for every other nation on earth was measured by their treatment of Israel. Genesis 27. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. This is what he's telling. Uh, this is what uh, Jacob is telling his sons. And be Lord over thy brethren and thy mother's sons bow down to thee and cursed be everyone that curseth thee and cursed and blessed be he that blesseth thee. Always the measure of blessing for every nation is dependent on how they treat God's people. Let me say this. The measurement by which God will bless anyone is how they treat God's word. If you obey it, you listen to it, and you hearken unto it, you respond to it in the right way, you react to it in faith, the way that God reveals it to you, you know what? God will bless you. God will favor you. Nations today will rise and fall based on their response to Israel, not to Hamas, not to Egypt. They'll rise and fall based on this verse of how they treat Israel. And so therefore, <clears throat> this word iniquity, where he says that the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full, means this. Watch that word full. It is the word shalem in Hebrew. And it means complete and safe and peaceful to be at peace. That's just a strange thing. That the cup of the, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it means that uh, you know, there's, there's something that uh, is in harmony here. It, it means, as the definition is, is, uh, is expressing there, that someone is at peace with something. So in other words, the Amorites, the Amorites, listen, they were not strangers to evil. Their ways were evil in the eyes of God. And they became accepting of it. And they changed their laws to protect it. They are friendly with it and accustomed to it and did everything they could to protect their way of life. And it was an, an abomination of God. All their religious practices and so forth, they were an abomination to God. And so when, when this iniquity became something that everyone was comfortable with and the laws of the land protected it, God said that's when the cup of iniquity will actually be full. 
When you think about how that is in our time, that now we have, now we have the laws of, of, of our government, of our nation, and of every other nation that protect the abominations that are done, which come from the pit of hell. And everyone now is expected to be normal with them, be content with them, be at peace with them. Let me tell you, there are already laws in the books in certain places where you can't preach against homosexuality and you can't preach against gay marriage and you can't preach against uh, transgenderism and so forth because the world out there wants everybody to be at peace with that. And, and, and in schools, you know, you try to, uh, you know, if teachers say the wrong thing or politicians say the wrong thing, it can be the end of their campaign. It can be the end of their job because all they, need to, all they do, need to do is register what sounds like opposition to something that the Amorites actually embrace. And so it's normalized. And the problem is, is that even while we live here in an abominable culture, there's a lot of things that we now consider normal or we don't object at or we don't get grieved at because there's so much of it and it's so overwhelming. It doesn't even bother us anymore. And you know what? When that happens, when that happens, you look for God to shut it down. Because that's that cup of iniquity. That's that cup of the iniquity of the Amorites that God was looking at. So the children of Israel are moving into a land where abominable practices are protected by law. They're considered to be customs. They're considered to be normal. And everyone is supposed to be tolerant of those things. And God says, now I'm taking Israel and moving her into that land. I do not want you making covenants with them. I do not want you making agreements with them. I do not want you making, uh, making their practices your practice. And if you go in there without opposing that, you're going to fall into a snare. That's what he said. You're going to fall into the trap of believing, well, you know, they're good people. And, you know, they're, they're nice folks. And they go to church and, and, and they do this. They're, they're Baptists and, or they're something else. And you know what? They, they live a good life and all the rest of it. And you can begin to come tolerant with the wrong thing. God wanted Israel to maintain his statutes, his customs, his ways, the words of his prophets, right? And he was completely, in, in, the, in, this, in this whole experience in the Old Testament of moving into the promised land, he was intolerant of everything that went on in that land that was existent there. And God said, you're not going to make covenants with him at all. I'm going to drive him out and I'm going to put him in your hand. And your response to my word is going to determine the favor and the blessing that rests upon you. Am I making sense? Wow. That's, to me, this is a serious thing. So therefore, when you look in the scripture in 1 Kings chapter 8, this is Solomon. Let your heart, therefore, be perfect with the Lord God. That's the same word, full, that we just read in Genesis chapter 15. In other words, let your heart be at peace with God. Let it be in harmony with God. And when you do, walk in his statutes and keep his commandments as it is this day. That's the way you want to walk. You want to walk in harmony with God. Over in 1 Kings chapter 11... For it came to pass when Solomon was old, his wives were turned away, turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect. Same word, same Hebrew word here. Solomon actually became sympathetic with these wives who were from heathen lands. Very often the marriages were arranged for political reasons. And if you're marrying somebody from a heathen country and they want to worship their heathen gods, all of a sudden Solomon, instead of driving that out, he made friends with that. Come on. He got soft towards that. His heart was not perfect with God. You know what God does? He cuts that off. 
The message is very clear. To me, the message is very clear. <clears throat> that as soon as Israel was attacked in our world today, as soon as they were attacked, the sympathy of the world was expressed towards Israel because of the abominable things that were done by the, um, by, by the, uh, the terrorists and so forth. Uh, I mean, everybody in the world looked at, looked at those Israeli victims and those towns and kibbutzim and, and so forth, looked at them and, you know, I had, had great compassion for them. Four or five days, and you start to see the, the, the media soften up. But more importantly, we see this. We see the United Nations now calling for a ceasefire and calling for humanitarian aid and calling for this and calling for something else. All of a sudden now, Israel is the villain, not the victim. Right? And if you want proof, here's the list of nations in green that voted against Israel. Some of them abstain. The yellow ones abstain. Abstain only means that they don't want to, you know, put their, uh, they want to be able to buy oil from the Arab nations, right? That's all that is. But when you look at the uh, red nations here, uh, these are the ones that uh, are, uh, you know, against sanctions against Israel and condemnation against Israel and so forth. Uh, these are not exactly uh, major nations of the world like uh, Guatemala or Papua New Guinea or Micronesia. Uh, their nation's in red, and the United States and Britain up there. United States is over here, and United Kingdom abstained from the vote there. So just to give you an idea in the United Nations, this is four or five days, six days after, actually the date is on here, 1027. This is a few days after the attack in Israel, and now all of a sudden the United Nations is clearly moving into a court where they're saying Israel should be condemned. Now, based on what I said to you today already, how do you think God's going to react to the nations of the world in making this stand against Israel? Because the Bible is still very clear. No matter what they think, the Bible is still clear. The Bible says uh, when God inaugurated Abraham and his covenant and sent him on his way, he said, he said, let all the nations of the earth serve you. And I'll tell you what, he that blesses you, I will bless. And he that curses you, I will curse. You know what the Gentile world, this is the Gentile world. This is not Israel. This is the Gentile world. And you know what the Gentile world is headed for? It's headed for judgment. It's headed for condemnation. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you this morning? So just before I came out here, and you didn't see this unless you were on your phone in church, and if you were, shame on you. But this, this was on the, on, it popped up on my feed just before I came out, that Iran just made a statement saying that Israel has crossed the line in Gaza and the Iranian, uh, the, the Iranian Ayatollah said that Israel's crossed the line. They went in. They went inside Gaza. They're going uh, to disturb the status quo in Gaza as if there's any left. And now, in other words, he's taking out his saber and he's rattling it with all the other uh, Arab nations of the world and saying, this has got to stop. Israel's got to be crushed. And you know what? We're going we're gonna to do everything we can now to push against Israel. I have news for the Ayatollah of Iran. I have news for him. And if you want to read what the news is, I'd like you to take your Bible if you don't mind. I keep a permanent marker in the book of Zechariah. I have one right here. And if you will, turn to chapter 12. Musicians, if you'll be ready, cocked and ready to go. Zechariah chapter 12. Read it with me. Say amen when you get it. The burden of the word of the Lord. This is Zechariah chapter 12, verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of, uh, of trembling. In other words, I'll make it a bitter cup 
that every nation on earth, unto all peoples round about, when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem, and in that day I will, will I make Israel, uh, sorry, Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people, and all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Hey, we're living in that day, folks. We're living in the day of Zechariah chapter 12, verse 3. We're living in the day of Romans chapter 11, verse 26. We're living in the days of these scriptures uh, that are being fulfilled. Because outside of Israel and outside of believers like us and outside of uh, you know, so, some nations like America, they, they believe that Jerusalem is considered Palestinian territory. And even Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, when ye shall see Jerusalem comes about with armies, then know that the destruction thereof is nigh. You know what's, you know what's holding things up? I'll tell you what's holding things up is you. Because you're the triggering event. You're the ones that are in the earth that are withholding the winds of judgment and from God allowing this whole thing to go uh, into tribulation. We are the ones that God uh, still has in place here on the earth. And when that Gentile bride is taken off, let me tell you, every nation that's on that list right there and all nations will eventually turn against Jerusalem. Every one of them will now be exposed to the wrath of God because it is about Jerusalem. It's not about Gaza. It's about Jerusalem. And it's always been about Jerusalem and always will be about Jerusalem and when they aim their sights and their guns at Jerusalem let me tell you 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 by God's grace you'll get a a position by the rail looking over the banners of heaven and looking out at the front row to watch what happens in there when God fights for the land Israel is not asking permission of anybody can we go in and avenge all the 1400 people that died is it all right if we go in there you know what they are overcomers they're not slaves they're overcomers we know this is our land we know that this is our place we know those are our people that were killed unjustly and we know we know the spirit in us knows that it's right for us to claim this land because it's our land they're not asking permission from the UN. They're not asking permission from anybody else. They're just going in and taking their land and they're doing the things that uh, they're anointed to do in our day. Hey, listen, saints of God, wake up. I believe we are the same in the spiritual realm as what Israel is in the natural realm. And if you let them, the devil will beat you all over the place. And no matter what the world thinks about it, I believe it's right for us to claim our inheritance and claim our property and make our stand. To say to the enemies of the people of God, you can pass all the laws you want, but you know what? You can vote God out. You can ignore God. You can try to discredit God. And you can say all kinds of things about God, but you'll never shut up the true voice of God because that is God living in his people. That's not voice of God and that's not press play and that's not getting a handful of dirt from Brother Bram's grave. That's none of that. Let me tell you, you'll never shut down the true voice of God that lays in the bride of Christ because we are, Revelation 10, 8 to 11, those that took the book, ate the book and prophesied again. That's exactly who we are. And the devil will never shut that down. I believe that when the world closes in to pass more laws against us, that cup of iniquity will be full and God will say, hey, that's it. Let's stand to our feet. My goodness, I feel like preaching. He told told the children of Israel in Leviticus chapter 18, Speak this unto the children of Israel. After the doings of the land of Egypt wherein ye dwelt, shall ye not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan where I bring you, shall ye not do. Neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. Ye shall do not what seems right in your own sight. Ye shall do my judgments 
and keep my ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. This is what God wanted for, for the children of Israel. And I will tell you, it's, it should be no mystery to you. That's exactly what God wants you to do too. In the world that we're living in, don't walk in their ways. Don't walk in their customs. Don't, hey, if they pass a law and approve everything, hey, listen, if it's not God's ways, you know what? We're going to deal with that at arm's length. Our priority is God's word. Our chief love is God's word. Our absolute is God's word, right? But we're living in a world where everybody's beginning to think differently and seriously differently. Because they, you know, they, they, they would love to, sh- let me tell you, the devil would love to shut down our website. The devil would love to shut down our church and our assembly. The devil would like to let, make, he'd love to make life miserable for you. Why do you think he's striking at us with sickness and everything else and all the other afflictions that are out there? And whether it's COVID or whether it's false doctrine or whether it's whatever else, he's throwing everything he can. You know why? Because we're at the point of possession. We're at the point of taking this thing to where it's completed and it's over and we're gone. I got 20 seconds left. And I'd like to say this. I'd like to say this to every one of you here. And I have a, I have a new timer. You'll be glad to know I have a new timer. And you should all be rejoicing that I have a new timer. But I will say this. You need to go home and take Deuteronomy chapter 31 out, verse 6, and give your children a piece of paper and let them write out that verse and put it in their own Bible. Post it on the fridge door. Memorize it. And believe this, what God told the children of Israel is what God, what I'm telling you this morning. You be strong, you be courageous. And you remember this, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you all the way. Because you know what? You're going to need it in the days ahead. You're going to need my help. You're going to need my, my vision. You're going to need my, my, my discernment. You're going to need my help in the days that come ahead. And God knew what they were going to face going into the promised land. God knows exactly what we're facing going into the promised land. It ain't getting easier. <clears throat> it's getting narrower all the time. <clears throat> Amen? How lovely... On the mountain, <clears throat> sing it, Brother John, who brings good news. Good news, announcing peace, proclaim. Happiness, our God. Thank you, Jesus. Our God.
Go to F, if you will. Go to the key of F. Let's agree together. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget. No, never. Well, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget. No, never. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm a child of the King. His royal blood now flows through my veins. And I, who was wretched and Time. Oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the King, His royal blood flows through my veins, and I, who was wretched, Father, we pray today as overcomers in the name of Jesus Christ, believing Lord, that you have given us every promise in the book, and every promise is mine. Lord, we're not claiming that because somehow or another we have deserved it. We're claiming it, Lord, because we know we are sons and daughters of the King, and we have become heir to all things that are in Christ. And so, Lord Jesus, we stand today 
And pray, Lord, for those that are sick, those that are needy, and those that need a touch. Father, may you reach out across the waves today and minister, Lord, to the hearts and souls and the bodies of each one of the believers, Lord, that are listening today. We lift them up before you and believe, Lord, we're doing exactly what you told us to do when we cast our cares upon you because you care for us. Minister, Lord, individually. Minister mightily. Minister thoroughly, Lord, to each one. As we stand, Lord, in agreement that we curse that affliction, we know where it came from. We know it didn't come from heaven. Lord, we give it back to the enemy that delivered it. And we say, Lord Jesus, we're claiming the health of each one of these believers that are listening today. Have your way, Lord, we pray. Bless Brother Fulcher on a special day. And Lord Jesus, we commit our hearts into your care now, trusting, Lord, that you will give us complete deliverance of the things that we have need of. And Lord, we'll walk with confidence through the balance of our week. We love you and we thank you and ask your blessing upon the assembly. Thank you for these that have come. In Jesus' lovely name, amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're glad to have all of you here today, our uh, Brother Wellington's relatives who are here. God bless you. Great to have you. And uh, may God bless you, uh, each one as you go today. Stay healthy. Pray for those that are sick. And may the Lord bless you and balance the, bless the balance uh, of your week this week. <clears throat> Let's sing that little chorus. Do, you know, do we sing that chorus, Jesus, we're depending on you? That's the key of F. I think it is. I think it is. Let's try it there. Jesus, we're depending on you. Jesus, we're depending on you. Jesus, we're depending on you. Depending on you to see us through. God bless you as you go this morning. Jesus. Oh, we're depending on you, Jesus. We're depending on you, Jesus. We're depending on you, depending on you to see us through. Oh, Jesus, we're depending on you, Jesus. We're depending on you, Jesus. We are depending on you. We're depending on you to see us.